The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Hi, this is Sarah Riff, and welcome to Having It All in Other Lies, the podcast where I talk to people I admire about letting go of perfection, embracing the chaos, and redefining what success and happiness look like to them. Because ultimately, the only definition that matters is our own. I am so very excited to introduce today's guest, Shelly Sanders. Shelly is a jewelry designer based in Los Angeles and the founder, alongside her hubby, Teddy, of the industry disruptor, The Last Line, dubbed as the last jewelry collection you will ever, ever need again. As a longtime creative director for a dozen of celebrity jewelry brands, Shelly decided to say, screw you to traditional jewelry markups and delivers all the jewels you could ever want direct to your doorstep without any need for a middleman. The last line is rewriting the rules of the jewelry world, one finely priced diamond at a time, and you are the shining star, Shelly. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Of course. So first off, before we even get into it, I just want to acknowledge that on route here. Shelly's already like been through (laughs) enough. So she was Ubering over here when, I'll let you take it from here. When my Uber driver and the driver to the left decided to aggressively change lanes simultaneously and we got into a car accident. Was it, was the other car an Uber as well? I don't think so. You don't really stick, no, no you passenger. Didn't stick, you didn't stick I around long enough to find out. And I walked out. And this well accoutremented jewelry designer was in the midst of putting on her jewelry, which is a dangerous task to begin with. But she's in the back of a Uber. And did you lose any jewelry in the making? It was all safe. It was okay. So you everyone know was safe. People and jewelry included. Okay. Well then 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 we can start. All as well. <laughs> you know, so we're a little shaken, but not stirred. So we're fine. Okay. Beginning at the beginning, Shelly, one of the things that we love talking about on the podcast is the idea that we alone get to design the type of life that we want to lead. And ultimately, it's our opportunity and responsibility to define what constitutes success and happiness for us. So starting out, I wanted to ask you, growing up, did you have an idea of what having it all would look like to you? I didn't. I never, I actually, you know, I started thinking a lot about having it all when when we started talking about doing this, um, I, I think I had ideas of what I should, how I should live and how I should be, but I never, the concept of having it all, I feel like I knew that was beyond me. Right. So (laughs) early on. Yeah. You, you, you already knew early on that that was a fallacy that that didn't exist. Okay. Well, let's talk about you professionally. So growing up, did you always want to get into jewelry or were you like, did that come later in life or how did it, how did it start for you? So it was one of the only things that I knew from a young age was that I wanted to make jewelry. Um, so ever since I was, you know, a little girl and then in through high school and college, I took the path um, to make jewelry. You know, there were some detours along the way, but that was always my end goal. Going back to what you said about designing jewelry as a little girl, that fascinates me too, because I feel like a lot of girls love to design jewelry. And for whatever reason, I love that you knew that that was an avenue that you could pursue. You know what I mean? Like that's sort of like a creative venture when you're younger. But like, did you have family that supported the idea of, would you want to pursue this growing up? Or you knew that it was something that could be an actual trade? Um. Well, my family was always supportive of me in general. One of, for some reason with jewelry, I was always focused on it. And I 
could figure out nothing in my earlier life, except that when I was 19... I can figure out nothing in my current life. So yeah, it's still so hard. hard. Yeah, <laughs> so happy to hear that. It was the one area where I just knew, you know, if I want to make jewelry, I need to go to school. I need to learn how to make jewelry at the bench and I need to understand it technically. And I, you know, I think about this a lot because I understood very little when I was, you know, picking my school path and my, in my, you know, early twenties. And I wonder if somebody said to me, you have to learn how to build something in order to make, you know, to learn how to do something from the most basic techniques maybe, um, because that was always really deeply known by me that I needed to educate myself on how exactly to make jewelry myself with my hands. But you're talking about actually like working with metals, on the bench. working with yeah. stones. When you say the bench, I have no idea. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> I'm like on so, the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I trained to make jewelry as a goldsmith uh, from taking a piece of metal and being able to make it. Um, it's all called a bench is wh- where you work. And to build jewelry from zero to an actual piece of jewelry. So from gold or from silver or from a stone. Which differentiates you from a lot of designers today, right? Because you're not just designing, you're not drawing, you're not coming up with concepts, but you could actually, if push came to shove, get back on the bench. Correct. And make it yourself. Yes. And so I think that was one of the challenges was, you know, it was a trade school. Um, People didn't really, or designers didn't learn they used to, but I, in the time when I was learning, weren't learning how to make jewelry at the bench necessarily. They were doing other, you know, things to, um, you know, get their skills where they needed to be. Um, but for me, from an engineering and from a technical perspective, I felt like that was necessary in order to learn how to make jewelry. Right. So then tell us about your background, like a little bit in terms of you graduate from this trade school. Is Mm -hmm. it how many years of the program is it? So I was going to Parsons for fine art. It wasn't for me. It it was a, a t- I was there for two years, but there's no length of a program. It's not even, it's a trade school, but you know, you get a bench jeweler certificate, you know, there's not, it's not a, a degree or anything like that. Do you um, have that certificate like hanging in your office today? I have no idea where that's. You really should. Is. You know, it's like you put your first dollar and you're like bench certificate. Yes. <laughs> I should. Um, I don't know. I don't know where it is. Um, And I was, you know, I went to that school and I was there for two years and I rented a small studio in the building where the school was, which was in San Francisco. And I was going to make, start my own collection that very day. I luckily did not do that. I was 20 years old and that was too young for me. And a person from high school just called me. I was like, I heard you went to jewelry school. I know you could always draw. Like, do you want to be the designer for my dad's licensing company? I was like, okay. Wait, around the same time you just <laughs> randomly got this call? Yes. That, that's like we, we've been talking with a couple of the guests too about how the universe will open up for you when yeah. the paths are right. Yeah. Yeah, because I was really headstrong on making my own collection and I didn't have any plan. Well, I don't know. I must have, I would take it to stores and they would sell it. And beyond that, that would have been the end of that. Um, Do you think the line that you wanted to create at 20 was the line that you ended up launching with the last line? So when I was 20, the first piece I made was I like hand hammered a safety pin um, and I made a couple studs and I made a couple like coin pendants. Interestingly, a lot of those styles are seen in the line now. So I think part of my personal taste was always there. 
but there was a lot in between. So then, so your friend calls you, you go to LA, right? Mm-hmm. This is in LA. Yeah. And what kind of, what does a licensing company mean for people who don't know? So this company held uh, the jewelry license for larger brands. So at the time, um, a wide variety from everything from QVC to fine jewelry and everything in between. So, or as the designer at a licensing company, you're tasked with designing for a wide variety of clients and brands, some that speak to you and some that don't. So your biggest, you know, asset would be to be able to design a wide variety of things well in the voice of people that you see eye to eye with, people that you don't see eye to eye with, but then, you know, translate it so that you do. Isn't this like the best kind of like studying you could do for what was lacking in the market? A hundred percent. Which was leading you to the next step of your life? Yes, because that is the question that formed the last line. Was it like, was what the can't answer. we find? Yeah. So after speaking with women and men of so many different walks of life, there was a common thread for most people on things that they wanted that they just couldn't find or problems with fit and, you know, stone size and color and all of these things that sort of became... It like informed how yes. you would create that. Exactly. So was this his licensing brand? Did that have celebrity lines? It had celebrity lines and then it also had larger companies. So everything from like Rockaware to Playboy to Disney. So with Playboy, you were doing like a lot of bunny ears and like Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Belly button rings. Oh yeah. Yeah. So were you, was that a challenge for you as someone who knew how to do your own stuff? Did you feel stifled? Like you were like, I should be doing my own line in San Francisco. Or were you like, this is cool. And I'm like honing my skills and I'm absorbing all these different people's vision and it's helping me to create what I want down the road. So the latter. So I You're like, knew, none of the above. No, 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 no. I knew when I got there, I knew that it was essentially the most aggressive boot camp that a designer should have. And it's one of the things that when young designers or people who want to have their lines ask me, you know, like, what can I do? Um, one is I tell them to learn how to build it yourself with your hands, with no help at all. And then two design things that you wouldn't design, work for other people. I learned how to succeed, how to fail. I learned how to make everything from the most precious to the most inexpensive, which is, you know, a lot of times even more challenging. I saw companies grow. I saw them die. I saw companies begin and I saw branding and I was, it was amazing. And I I knew it at the time. And that's why I stayed doing it for 15 years. Right. Where did you come up with the concept for the last line? Well, this and at the, now by now, um, I was I started we're glossing over fifteen. Yeah, yeah, years. yeah. So by now, I had my husband Teddy and I were together, and I had a consulting business during that time. And I'm like not a very good private person, so I involved what does that mean, him. Private person, like any kind of struggle or achievement or anything that was happening in my business life is happening in, in my personal life. life and in my home life. So he was involved, um, you know, not by Intimately. choice right, right. <laughs> at first, um, in, in jewelry and in the, the ups and downs and in, and he saw the same thing that I saw about all of these styles that for example, the tennis bracelet was one where women didn't want a huge one because they couldn't afford it. They didn't want a tiny one because it would roll over. So technically the piece was imperfect in a lot of ways that it was sold. And women, but women wanted it in colors and you couldn't find it in colors. And there was this folder and we had an actual folder of 
words and like written, you know, things that needed to be fixed, you know, studs in every single size, hoops in six different sizes for women who have, you know, high piercings, low piercings, stretched out piercings, who've had to sew their piercings, who have multiple piercings. Stretched out piercing is just so unfortunate. It is, but it's a reality and there's nobody who is addressing size and fit of jewelry. Right. And Um, as an aside, Shelly is someone who has piercings up the entirety of both ears. (laughs) So you, you are actually like your best model as well because you know the size and the diameter of every shape and hoop that needs to fit in all the various parts of your ear. Exactly. And having made so much jewelry, you know, there's a wide variety of hinge styles that one could use and closures, et cetera. And so I was able to understand from a functional perspective, what works the best. And then also from an owner perspective of which ones people like to use, which ones are the easiest for them, which isn't always, you know, the same as the one that's the easiest to make or the most cost effective. And so with all of these tidbits or notes or, you know, letters in the file, we sort of saw a collection that, um, was, could be a collection that could service women and men from their first piece of jewelry to their last piece of jewelry. It wasn't a, a collection that was based on a singular style, but a collection that was based on a love of, of really well-made, well-designed, purposeful, fine jewelry. Something I love about jewelry so much is that it can serve as a reminder of all these special moments mm-hmm. in our lives. And what I like about what you guys are doing so much is that you're sort of switching the narrative from it having to be something that a special somebody has purchased for you into something that you can do for yourself. We're no longer waiting around for someone to buy us that special piece, right? except for you, Ian, if you're listening, because I'm waiting for you to buy me a very special piece. Um, <laughs> we are the masters of our own domain and like we can also buy our own fuck off jewelry. And totally. I like that, you know, you're really speaking to that customer of saying like, you know, we're cutting out the middleman so we can bring you pieces at affordable prices. It doesn't have to be so prohibitive to get into the game and to get things for yourself that make you feel special and amazing. And you don't have to have anybody in your life to do that for you. Totally. What have been some of the biggest surprises for you in terms of starting your own business? What have been some of the challenges? I, because I think it's important to talk, like we're living totally. in like a very hashtag girl boss time and everybody like wants to, you know, have their own business. Yeah. And But like the truth is, is it's like, it's very easy to gloss over all of the sacrifice and all of the hard work that goes into it behind the scenes, even as you're sort of working overtime to make things, no pun intended, shine, you know, yeah. for, for marketing totally. purposes. I was unprepared. How old is the business now? The business is two and a half years old. Okay. What were you unprepared for? I was unprepared in every single possible way for starting a business. Um, I have jewelry and jewelry design. And, you know, within that, I have a really big manufacturing background. So everything jewelry related, branding related, I got it. And your branding for the last line, I have to say, is so good for anybody who has not gone to their website or seen, you know, any of your pop-ups that you've done. You, Shelly has immaculate style already. And I think that that just like comes through with everything that you do and your branding is so strong. Thank you. That's my second passion. That's a close second. I love branding. And one of the clients that I worked with, um, I was always able to work closely with on their branding. And I sort of got to learn firsthand, not sort of, I completely learned firsthand how a brand is created. And I was able to really investigate what it is about, you know, the iconic brands that we love. 
that makes them iconic or and and you know find these these sort of similarities and be able to breathe our version of that into the last line. Um, also, that's a huge yeah. thing. Like going, if you're saying something about like a tennis bracelet, yes, you yeah. know the technicality on how that fits and everything is different. But a tennis bracelet without your branding, you know, that's your key differentiator, and right. like you have to set the tone for the entire client experience totally. for anybody who's buying into your brand and the lifestyle of it. Yeah. So that's of primary importance next to the designs. Totally. And that's that area is so much fun for me. So the creative director position, and that's a role that I you know, take on, not easily, but with the appropriate amount of, you know, stress, hard work, and all of those things that goes into everything beautiful. As far as business is concerned, in the last two and a half years, I went to college a hundred times. Um, I've cried a hundred times. We have celebrated a hundred times. Um, it has been the most beautiful and the most heartbreaking experience. Um, I sacrificed a lot for the last line. Also you, as far as Goldie, your daughter is how old right now? She's, she is turning three. Okay. So she was like six months old when you launched. Yeah. And you were like, you know what? She's my third child. She's six months. This feels like as good a time as any to launch a business with three kids under, at that time, like five. A hundred percent. And that was, so one of the things I think that blessed us in the last line, my husband and I, is that we never expect to, we are things going wrong, getting into a car accident with your Uber on the way to a podcast. That's de rigueur. Yeah. Like, (laughs) right. Exactly. And so like this, anything above getting hit by another car while you're in an Uber is a victory for right, you. A hundred percent. And I feel like everything's on the table and it's always been on the table. And so to that, the last line should have launched a year before I had Goldie, but it didn't for a number of reasons. Um, so, you know, as she's three months old and we're doing, you know, the first photo shoots, <laughs> For the last line, I, of course, fall on the floor right before the first. I slip on the floor, crack my head open, get a concussion. I mean, you know, yes. And then shoot like the next day with her nursing. Right. And talk about iconic. (laughs) Shelly has this like really strong photo on your about page where basically she's got her hair in curlers. You know, you're breastfeeding your daughter, but you look amazing. You're totally dressed up in all of your jewels. That's like a real having it all moment in air quotes, which is like- hundred percent. I had a- You have a concussion, concussion and you have a baby like nursing mm-hmm. and you are also probably have these people there that you've paid for the shoot 100%. and you're just like, what the fuck am I, how am I doing this? Yes. And it was, you know, the train has left, left the station and, and we're we going. Are, and there's nothing we can do about it. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Um, and so I think that flexibility is the... You couldn't do that like necessarily in the business that you were working in before if you were working for someone. This is like right. your own deal and it is come as you may. Yes. But, you know, I talked about this with someone the other day and, you know, somebody was like, oh, well, you know, as a mom of three, having your own business, you're able to really be flexible with your schedule. But my schedule has never been less flexible. Yeah, I would think so. Um, so that's one of the things one of the, I think the misconceptions about, you know, having your own business and being able to, 
you know, show up. I don't get to show up for all of the school things. Yeah, because you're like, you're the boss. You're the hard stop for everything. You're the designer. You're the creative director. You're wearing like all these multiple hats just in your business life alone. Right. And so it's very different than when you are calling into a job, you know, where you have sort of a singular role. Totally. And maybe you have more rigidity in terms of ass and seats, so to speak, from here right. to there. But at the same time, it's like the stakes are so much higher for you too. Totally. And there's no, there are no sick days. There's no vacation. There's no personal time. There's none of that. So that's definitely, that was, that's definitely been a challenge, but being flexible in, in business has always been, well, in the last two years, always, um, has, is I think our saving grace that we've learned because every moment that you're crying and feeling like you're failing and then the next minute you have a major success and you're right on top of it, you finish your hug or your toast and then something falls on the floor again. Right. So it's like the Venn diagram. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. It's like the like, you know, it's, it's like, there's no there there. That's what I'm always saying. We have to stop thinking that there's a there. Once you get to this point, then you're like, oh, I can exhale. And like, I don't have to worry about it because there is no there. It's so hard. I know. And I think in the last couple years, that's one of the things that I have realized because you're, you know, you're working for this and then, but then there's that and then this happens. And then, you know, someone gets sick, some, something, you have success. So then you have to expand even more. And then all of a sudden you're in the weeds again because you're scaling up and then that's harder than it was the first time. And every time there's just different phases, there's no end and there's no done. Finding, you know, a place in all of the chaos to relax, which is exactly what I was just talking about at my kid's school, (laughs) about one of my, my children who's like having a day. Um, We're all having a day. Yeah. And when they look at me and they're like, I'm having a day, I'm like, I get it. Yeah. Sorry. Like it's not going away. <laughs> you know? You're like, you've got so many days ahead mm-hmm. of you. <laughs> like talking about victories in both business and in your life. Do you try to practice? Like, are there any moments of, you know, we set out to do this and we wanted to sell like X amount or we wanted to launch this product and we did that. Can you take the victory on that? Or is it like, but now we've got X, Y, and Z. Do you try to be mindful about celebrating victories or do you feel like you're like, it's always around the next bend? So now we just had some great victories with work and my husband and I are being very mindful to celebrate them and to realize, you know, six months ago it was this and and now, you know, it's this. Um, and I think same with home life. And it's funny because all of the struggle from, you know, balancing the family with, you know, wife and husband and work, that's the one thing that it's taught us is to, you know, ha- we have to celebrate those moments because if you don't, then you're always just, you know, gunning for the next right. one. Like striving, striving, yeah. striving. I think the reason we like addressing the notion of, again, I like say in air quotes, having it all is because we've been fed this concept by society. And I think most people who I talk to who ostensibly like have it all in that imposed standard don't necessarily feel that way because I think sometimes in the pursuit of wearing so many hats simultaneously, you're like, well, this one isn't really fitting right now or this one's sliding off. Or I don't feel like putting this one on right now. I don't really want to wear this hat right now. Like, how do you feel about that? 
it's a struggle, you know, sometimes I simultaneously will feel like I'm missing my kids, but also feel like I don't want to play on the floor right now. And I just want to go in the other room. And then you have this internal struggle, which sadly takes you out of playing on the floor and out of being in your room. Right. You're like, and then you're, you're lost in nowhere land. Totally. Um, you know, and, and I think I'm trying to work on like the feeling and, and, and feeling good and feeling happy and not worrying too much about what I should be doing. The second I think of what I should be doing, it's it's so much, you know, anxiety and, you know, or thinking about what would be the perfect way to be a mom or the perfect way to be a wife or the perfect way to be a businesswoman or what, what would someone else do or what is someone else doing? Then I'll just tailspin. Right. So I think that's all negative. But I think that that's so important that you say that too, because I think like, especially like for people who have kids, you feel like an asshole being like, I actually don't want to do that right now. Like I know it is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, but at the same time, I'm also a human who has, you know, probably been dealing with like all this X, Y, and Z from your business and you're the captain of the ship. And if you go down, like the entire boat is going down, right? So it's like, you need to keep yourself afloat. And that's a lot to feel. That's a lot to feel. And you need to, and you're feeling that like at home and then like in the biz, right? So that's a lot to feel. So if you don't take the time to do the things that Shelly needs to do and like that makes Shelly feel whole and like herself, then it's like, what good is that? Like time playing on the floor, if it's kind of hurting you or not feeding you in the way that you need, you know what I mean? Totally. Without sounding selfish from your kids' needs, because I think we all do a lot right now to to meet their needs as well. Yeah, and I think, you know... And their needs are endless. 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 And there's three of them, which is so many. That's That, that, <laughs> they, that was an ambitious choice. You know, like, I need a lot, they need a lot, my husband needs a lot. We all need so much, and we all deserve to have so much. Um, just and not it's from just, you today. <laughs> sometimes, you know, sometimes... Teddy will be, he'll be spent from work. I'll be spent from work. And we'll be like, but like, who's going to like deal with the kids right yeah, now? Yeah. You know? Have and, you ever seen that Instagram where it's like with that feeling when you like, you're like coming home and like, can't wait to see you what mom made for dinner. And then you realize like you are mom and you're like, shit. I feel it. Yeah. You're like, where, where is she? Like, I always feel like I need a housewife. I mean, I feel like <laughs> Teddy and I were having this conversation because specifically around food, we're like, we... With work, with the kids, we never cook the way that we, quote, should or mm-hmm. whatever that means or whatever. Were you guys cooks before? Like, did you cook a lot before we kids? We both like cooking, but there's a lot of things like, you know. That take precedence? Yeah. And I feel like at the end of the day, all of a sudden it's the actual end of the day and you're like, shit. Right. You're like, I don't have any, like, I don't have any ingredients <laughs> yeah. for any of that stuff. And then I got, if I'm going to go to the market, then by the time I'm done, it's going to be nine o'clock. And we can't do that yeah. because they're going to be tired, you know? So that's it. That one in particular is a big struggle. And I think that we both feel. So what do you do? Guilt. What do you do about that? Do you guys order in? We order in a lot for us. Um, for the kids, we'll make something you know, easy. Or I, I try to always make sure that I have ingredients to make simple kid dinners. And luckily they hate eating good food. Well, that's good. So that's a win that for us. That worked out. That <laughs> yeah. worked out. 
<laughs> they they kind of knew. They're like, listen, these are like super cool parents. We're going to be like really flossed out as far as jewelry goes and like always have great style. We're never going to eat well. Yeah, and we're we just, just going to like, like pasta and tacos. And we got, we just have to know that. So what was your transition to motherhood? Was it pretty like seamless or was it like you definitely are someone who looks really good holding your kids? Does it feel natural? <laughs> I mean, I think I had three different transitions into motherhood. Um as a, which is as interesting. As an aside, because Shelly and I actually were together in our baby group for our first kids. And then you got pregnant with Arrow, like how old? Soon. So yeah. they're 21 months apart. Okay. That was, they're, they're very close in age. That was a close one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to motherhood with your first, it's just, there's so many things that play into somebody's or my transition into motherhood. When I had Howell, my first son, I was, you know, working from home. I wasn't starting a business. I like things were like a little bit more manageable. Really manageable. And it was one kid. Yeah. That's easy. Which like not to not to put that down for no, people who have one kid. But compared to three, for me it it's, was different. It it's felt bad. Totally. And yeah. I felt my husband by the way, we were still dying. Yeah. <laughs> still very, very hard. Um, but I think I was able to embrace a lot of the, you know, typical motherhood. I took I took Howell to all the classes, and I did a lot of. You hosted. The, I hosted. You hosted in your home. Hey, Goldie, my third. You know, she she's didn't in go class. in a class. No, she's not in a class. So I think I felt really. Her really class empowered. is learning from her brothers. Totally, and then we're like, this is like also that's that's like well into half a class at that point. If you've got two other people, you know what I mean? A good class is only like five to six. That's true. Otherwise it's too crowded. You don't need to leave the house for that class. And so, you know, I felt like, I felt really, I felt like I was killing it when I had my first. And then as I had more kids, by the time I had Goldie, I'm like, I'm a failed mom. (laughs) Um, And I don't think it's necessarily because three kids is is different than one kid. I think it was my life circumstance at the time of having the kids where starting a business when having a baby is really difficult, you know, and then having kids in school and then, you know, they're getting older. So they're having their own personalities and their own, you know, struggles that come with whatever they were dealt. So, you know, I, I love being a mom. I probably envisioned myself when I had my first kid being much more of a earth mama and I have become much less of an earth mama. Well, you're wearing by, the socks today, which feel very earth mama. But can I tell you that, that they're on only because they're cozy? Right. Okay. Which feels like a lazy mama. Okay. Okay. Um, it's a slight differentiator. I'm like, if I wear these fuzzy shoes and the diamonds, right, like if do you, I fall in the middle of feeling like dressed up? Right, right, right. Well, I think like the thing is, is with your diamonds, you're always looking dressed up no matter what you're wearing. So you're good. You're covered on that front. What about like as a business owner? So you, well, I I know that you launched the business when she was already born, but like, are you taking a maternity leave? How does that work? So this, I hope doesn't become one of my, and, and this is just the life that I have. And that's the only one that I, that I get. So that's just the way it is. And I that's think, actually like most truthful thing you said today. And that is that I, we don't know if anything else she said was true, but yeah. like the fact that this is the only life that's yours that we know unequivocally. And you know, 
It makes me sad because I had her on a Friday. I was working for myself for all of my kids. And so I didn't have any, you know, those pluses and minuses. I was able to make my own schedule when having them when they were younger, when I, before I had the last line, but I didn't get a maternity leave. Um, so with my third baby, I had always planned on having a maternity leave. I wanted to enjoy having an infant, which I was something I always enjoyed, but I never got to a really like relish. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to relish. Yeah. We all want to relish. And so I think relish is something that again, is like something that we're putting on ourselves yeah. where it's like in your mind, relishing looks a certain way. Yes. What is relishing? I look back, like, I don't know that. What have I ever relished in my life? Well, see, I don't know. I, I had, I have a friend who's a big relisher who's, well, it seems like relishment may be on the table. Okay. They're both parents are taking maternity leave. Yeah. And I'm like, that is delicious. That feels like what I wanted. Um, but I had Goldie on a Friday and then I was actually working, you know, when you have like your second baby, the first baby is like so great you know, you're just on in that one baby role. Then you you have a second baby and you're like, wait, I still have the other one. So I, I don't, right, I don't they don't to- go away. Like <laughs> yeah. they don't like suck back into the womb when right. the other one comes out. So you don't have any, there's no, I don't know if you can relish a yeah. third baby. What's, what's one notch down from relish? Like more than enjoy, less than relish. Like cozying in it. And I yeah. did. And I feel like I, I, I got to, and it's, it's amazing to be able to, you know, nurse your baby through a first photo shoot for a company that you started that you wanted to start your whole life. And that is like not lost. And I'm so, right. That's not a relish, but that's also like, yeah. that's a rarefied thing. But I think like when you pull things out individually and look at them, or at least for me, like when I take like motherhood out or I take being a wife, or I even just take being a woman or I take being, you know, a a creative director or a business owner. When I look at, if I look at any of those areas independently, I like automatically feel a lot of times less than when I think of how other people are showing it. But I think when I stop, like if you look at the whole thing holistically, because that's the life that I have. So I feel like that's the only way. Right. Like going back to when you said like where, how people are showing them, how does like, are you someone like social media wise? Like, obviously I know that's a big part of the business, right? Like it's promoting via your social channels and everything. Do you feel like you have that side of the coin? And then like on the personal front, I think it's like, we're remiss not to acknowledge that like everybody's affected by the fact that we like see these images and like this presentation of what all these things are meant to look like and how they should look like. And I'm trying to focus so much more on how things feel versus how they look. But does that affect you ever? Do you get down or like? It does actually to the point where I, I don't have, I don't use social media personally anymore and haven't for the last year. I feel like you you had a, like a a private page. Yeah. And I stopped, I probably stopped maybe a year. Not a lot of content coming out of that (laughs) as a follower. I'm going to tell you. I mean, I'm sometimes I'm worried they're going to delete it because due to like inactivity. Yeah. Um, if somebody wants that name, they're coming for you <laughs> totally. for sure. You know, I do a lot of the social media for the last line. And so um, for business, which actually is more brand. That's a huge tool for you. Totally. And we as a company are following more brands and people that we work with. So there's no 
socially and, you know, um, personally, I've cut social media out because it's not, it's not like a good feeling for me. And I just feel like it's never a positive experience, even if it just means like I'm sitting there with my phone in my hand when I could be laying on the floor with your child. Yeah. You could relish (laughs) in that time that you're scrolling. Totally. So do you feel like, I'm sure the answer is yes. Sorry for my cough, but like, is there times where you go through like, I'm like crushing it at the last line. Everything's really good at the business. And like the home life is like slowly coming. This happens to me like a hundred times a day. I'm currently having both feelings right now at the same time. So so you're simultaneously (laughs) right now. Okay. Or like everything's going really well at home, but the business stuff is like freaking you out. Always, always, always. I'm multiple feelings of all of those each day. Every day, you know, I, all it's like of a constant stuffs. conversation with myself. You know, the second, the second I feel I'm killing it, something will happen. And then, you know, that'll derail everything. Um, or, or it won't, but it will derail my feeling of killing it. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to diminish it. Yes. Yeah. I think that that's so normal though. Okay. So one thing like that I've been trying out is something called the riff, okay. which is, um, it could be anything. So for you, like it could be a practice, it could be a service, it could be a, like a product, something in your life that has like brought tremendous sense of order where there is disorder, just something where it feels like it gives you like a little leg up. Do you get up early in the morning? Do you meditate? I don't know. Do you use fresh direct? Do you like, what's your, what's your thing? What's your secret? So Shall I have a tell us, few, a few secrets. Tell um, us the secrets. So I order every single thing that I possibly can for the kitchen and for the house online. Okay. Because I don't have any time and the time that I have, I want to attempt to spend it with my family or, you know, at work or in a more quality way. So, and I always say this, you know, if there wasn't Amazon and all of these services, I would not be able to be the woman that I am today. Right. The power player. Because, you know, I can't be power playing it while I'm pushing a cart through Whole Foods. I also don't know how to push a cart. Like, (laughs) like Ian will always say, like, I would rather you go to, well, he used to say Barney's, which RIP. But he would say, like, I would rather you go to Barney's than Whole Foods because like you will spend like a thousand dollars. I'll come back with like one thing of like turmeric, a coconut oil and like Mm -hmm. cheese tons of nuts or like just like <laughs> everything's like so expensive, but like I can never get anything to like properly nourish myself or my family. I don't like food, food derails me. You know, I, I, I've, I've been there too. I, I like to feel like I've improved my food shopping because I, that was a, a low spot for me as well. That's like the hardest part of motherhood for me is like having to feed other people because I'm like, can't you guys just get a nice tea and like, like a power bar, you know? <laughs> It's like the best lunch ever. Right. Um, you know, actually that's the, the, the preferred lunch for my children. And I have to be like, how about we eat something that's better for us? Um, you know, the hardest thing that I think that has for me is figuring out time for myself, because that's the one thing that I do push to the very, very, very end. Um, do you have any self-care rituals? So I got a Peloton. Oh, which I love. You just very like made much. a total like. Okay, here's why. Face. Because I I love my Peloton and it's I what I love to work out and I love to do physical things, but I haven't been able to do anything basically since I had Goldie. 
Um, Because with each thing I take on, something has to go because I can't just keep tossing everything on. There's only so much. Right. And that's such a lesson for everything with life. And I say that to my kids sometimes too. I'm like, every choice you make is great, but it is at the cost of something else. You can't always do all of the things. You know what I mean? No. (laughs) And so I reluctantly got a bike Mm -hmm. And my, I'm scarred and I made the shoes. I, I do. Okay. And I, I'm like, like now I can like get out on my own. My son had to take me out of the Peloton the first two times. But you're like a reluctant Pelotoner? Because my parents had a bike, a, like exercise bike when I was younger. And I never saw anybody on that bike my entire life, but I saw the bike my entire life. And then you see these people start hanging their clothes on yeah. the bikes. Yeah. And like... I just was really against it just because... In principle. In in principle. Um, But I got it and I actually will ride the bike for about 20 minutes a day. And for me, it sounds silly and I think it sounds like you hear it a lot. So it feels kind of like jargon. But for me, being able to do something that feels good for myself, whether it's, you know, Riding the Peloton, which is the only thing I can do, like twice, only like twenty minute workout I've figured out that it doesn't bore me, um, or whether it's you know taking a long shower or getting a facial or any anything that I can find for me is like my big I feel like trick for moms because I think the worst you can do so much, but the second you burn out as like you. You can still keep doing things, but you don't do them very well. Yeah. It's not, you do things with resentment, you know, or tired. And, and so I think like keeping yourself feeling luxurious, whatever that is, whether it's a 20 minute, you know, home exercise bike ride yeah, or, you know, getting to use the nice conditioner. I feel like those things have really big effects on attitude. Totally. Now, I mean, I know you didn't really think of anything when you were growing up, but like now I'm sure it takes on new meaning. What is the idea of having it all look like to you today? I mean, the, for me, having it all would be making it back to my house in the evening after having, you know, not any fire that came up extinguished or smoldering safely. Um, putting my kids to bed and having a glass of wine with my husband just in the house in some type of a cozy pajama, Mm -hmm. you know, that like, and then just like enjoying him. And last night, you know, we had a really great, just like fun watching like silly, like YouTube videos or whatever it is together and just laughing. And I feel like that is having it all for me. (laughs) And I feel like it sounds stupid and it doesn't sound like all but you no, know, like all, all your babies you. in that's the bed. That's the whole point. It's yeah. like, there is no, like, there's no one size fits all. It's like, what does it mean to you? Yeah. And I like, you Shelly know, Gibbs Sanders. I feel like being able, I feel proud to be able to have a company with my husband and to have a successful company and to have, you know, three healthy children that are, you know, not being too naughty mm-hmm. with, within reason. and making it back at home, which feels like hard. That's why I'm like making it back. feels like a struggle, but, and having time to sit and enjoy and still feel the like laughter and the ease of just like simply watching some silly YouTube, YouTube video with my What's husband. your guy's poison? Is it like animals or like? We were watching roasts last night. We like to laugh. Right. 
Comedian roasts. Right. I love that. Okay. So for, um, for everybody, where can they find you? Where they, can they follow you? So not at her defunct personal Instagram no. page. Um, so this is the last.com is our website. Also on social media, we're at the last line LA. All right. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you for having me. Of course. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review only the good stuff. Of course, hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and spread the word to all of your friends. Thanks for joining. And please follow along at having it all podcast. See you next week.